Hey, welcome to the Steamboat Christian Center podcast, where our greatest goal is to love God and love people. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us on social media or at steamboat.church. We're so glad you joined us today. Let's jump into this week's message. Boy, you're awake. You're alive, man. Maybe the music had something. We, you know, I don't know. If you like live music and you are in Steamboat, you got to make a stop at the Christian Center, amen? There's nothing better. There's better than Old Town Pub. I mean, I'm nothing against Old Town Pub, but come on. It's going on in here. So great to see you. Welcome. Uh, my name is uh, Troy. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, grateful to have you join us. Happy Fourth of July. Uh, thank you for taking advantage of the freedoms that have been paid for us to be able to come and worship and to live in this wonderful country. Thanks for being here tonight. If you have your Bibles, uh, open them up to Matthew chapter 16. Um, we're going to get started here. Uh, I, I, we're starting a brand new series. You may have noticed that. Um, the name and the title of this series is uh, Dealing with Cray Cray. Do you all know who Cray Cray is? Turn to the person next to you. You say, you know, you know Cray Cray? <laughs> Are you Cray Cray? Yeah. <laughs> um, the genesis be, behind this a little bit is that I, I don't know about you, but uh, over this last year, it just seems like the number of crazy people in my life has uh, grew exponentially. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's been, I mean, under normal circumstances, uh, we all have to deal with our fair share of relational craziness. There's just a typical amount, but it just seems like in 2020, early 2021, uh, people went crazy. And I'm talking crazy with whipped cream on top of it, amen? Went cray-cray on it. And uh, I think some of it, obviously has to do with the stress that came from the pandemic and the shutdown and being shut in, um, but it just kind of brought out the worst <laughs> in some people, unfortunately, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at four different types of difficult people that are in our lives. Uh, we've identified four types of people that can be a little bit of challenge in our lives, and we're going to learn how to uh, deal with them in a loving way over these next few weeks. And so we're going to look into the Bible and see what it says about that. And for example, uh, next week, uh, we're going to look at the overcritical people that are in our lives, all right? The overcritical, the people who just love to pick apart everything. You know what I'm talking about? The, the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we chew gum, the way we load the dishwasher. They're just always critical about everything that we're doing. And, uh, and if you're here tonight and you're overly critical um, and you're like, man, I don't know if I am or not. If you've already identified 15 things that you don't like about this church, you're overly critical. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to come back next week because we're going to talk about you. <laughs> we're going to talk to you about that. And uh, then the following week, we're going to look at the hypocritical people that are in our lives, those people who, who say one thing but kind of live and do another thing. And we're going to talk about those folks. And then um, the last week of the series, which is kind of my favorite, I'm excited about that, is we're going to talk about the overly needy people in our lives. Um, those people who are chronically and consistently in need. And we're going to talk about how we can truly and really help them if we can, to do it in a good way. So uh, right here at the beginning, though, of this series, I need to make it clear. We need to acknowledge something, and that is this, is that one time or another, we all have been one of those people. Amen? We've all have been hypocritical at times in our life. We've all been overly critical with people in our lives. We've all been um, overly needy at times. And, and the good news is this, is that God 
I believe this. God loves crazy people. Amen? He loves crazy people. Jesus surrounded himself with a bunch of cray crays, a bunch of crazy folks, those disciples and the people that followed him around. And so, um, unfortunately for us, um, God's word shows us how to love and how to care for um, the people in our lives who are struggling with those issues. And so we're going we're gonna to dig in. And so tonight, um, we're going to kick this series off by looking at manipulative and controlling people. Manipulative and controlling people in our lives. How many of you know who I'm talking about right now? Yeah? 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 I see, I see a few married uh, couples, husbands and wives kind of nodding their head a little bit. I know who you're talking about, Pastor Troy. <laughs> Which kind of reminds me of an old joke. Can I tell it to you? You don't seem to want to hear it, but I will. This is good. Uh, apparently, up in heaven, uh, there are three lines that are going into the pearly gates, getting into heaven. Um, one of the lines is for women, and the other two are for men. Um, at one of the heads of the line for the men is a little sign that says, uh, this line is for men who were controlled by their wives. And it's interesting that the line behind that sign of men was as far as the eye could see. <laughs> it just went on and on and on. But the other line, it also had a sign. And that sign said, this is for men who did whatever they wanted to do. And it was fascinating. There was only one solitary man standing in that line. And it was interesting. And so St. Peter's up there, and he looks over there and sees this guy, and he, he's kind of monitoring the lines, and he gets a little curious, and he goes over to the guy, and he goes, hey, he said, man, I'm, I'm, I, you're the only one in this line, man. What are you doing? The man looked at Peter, and he goes, I don't know, man. He said, my wife just told me to shut up and come stand over here. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think what I'm trying to say is that we are manipulating and uh, controlling people is not a new phenomenon. There, people have been doing this forever. In fact, it's interesting. You go through the Bible, you'll see a lot of manipulators in the Bible. There's some people that kind of had that tendency. Uh, in Genesis, way back in Genesis 25, um, there's a story about two brothers, uh, Jacob and Esau. And you might remember that Jacob manipulated Esau out of his birthright, out of his inheritance. And it changed history. Um, and so he was a manipulator. Um, and uh, I think in Mark chapter 6, there's this mother and this daughter tandem who manipulate King Herod into doing something incredibly wicked that he did not want to do, and that was beheading John the Baptist. They manipulated him into doing that. You might, you might read that story if you're interested. And, of course, one of the most famous ones is Samson and Delilah. You guys ever heard of those two? Yeah, you know that story. Uh, and that's a great example of the power that manipulation can have over people. It proves that even the strongest among us are susceptible to manipulation and, and that. And, and you might remember the story how Delilah, this is fascinating, Delilah wanted to know what the source of Samson's superhuman strength was. And so she kept asking him, and Samson wouldn't tell her. He wouldn't give it up. And uh, in Judges chapter 16, verse 15, interesting little, little passage here, uh, she resorts to manipulation. Look at this statement. It says this, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? That's just classic. How can you say and tell me that you love me if you won't tell me your deepest secrets, Samson? Now, this next line is brilliant to me. This is hilarious. Look at this. It says this in verse 16. It says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. 
in the, in the New Living Translation, it says that she nagged him until he couldn't stand it anymore. In the King James Version, it says that she nagged him until she vexed his soul to die. <laughs> Gentlemen, you can say amen at any point that you want to right here, but I don't recommend it. Don't do that. Oh, don't do it. But seriously, how, how many of you would say that there is someone in your life who, if they could, they would try to control more of your life? I mean, maybe it's a parent or a spouse or a mother-in-law or a, uh, maybe it's your kids that work it um, or maybe a friend or a neighbor, a coworker. I mean, if you're out there and you know somebody, raise your hand if you know someone who would love to control more of you. Raise your hand. In fact, why don't you raise both hands? Raise two hands. No, if you've got your hand, right? Why don't you stand up? Stand up real quick. I, I'm just joking. I just want to see if, if you let your pastor control you, but uh, you won't do it, I guess. All right. Good for you. Good for you. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that we all have people that are probably trying to control uh, an aspect of our life and would love to do more of it. And so the question that we're going to try to answer tonight is how do we deal with, how should we deal with um, manipulators, people that just kind of are working the angles in our lives, and uh, uh, I think one of the things that we should start with is looking at some of their weapons of warfare. How do they manipulate us? What are, what are the most effective weapons that they have? Well, there's two of them, obvious. There's threats and there's guilt. Threats and guilt. Threats. Uh, manipulators often love to threaten you if they don't get you to do what, to get, they will threaten you to get you to do what they want you to do. Um, uh, sometimes uh, it's a direct threat. It's, it's obvious. It's like I'm telling you straight up. You know, maybe you have a, a wealthy relative that's like, if you don't come and visit me, I'm taking you out of the will. I mean, that's a, that, they're going to they're gonna follow through with that. You know where they stand. Or maybe it's a wife who has, like, told her husband, hey, listen, if you don't buy me this house, you don't buy me this car, I'm, I'm, I'm moving out and I'm taking the kids with me. That's a, that's a direct threat. But oftentimes, uh, threats are kind of uh, maybe indirect. They're a little at an angle. Maybe you have a boss who's been asking you to do something that you don't want to do, and he's been like, hey, you know what? If you don't do that thing, you might not be working here for much longer. That's kind of on a side. Or maybe you have a husband who, who is like, hey, listen, if you don't meet this need that I have, you know, I, I just, someday I just might have to go get that need met somewhere else. You know, these, these are manipulative things that people say and threaten other people to get them to do what they want them to do. Another thing that they use is obviously guilt. Uh, guilt trips are powerful. Uh, you ever packed your bag and went on a guilt trip before? Yeah, they're just powerful. Uh, people say things like this to us. They're like, you know, after all that I've done for you, after all I've done for you, Lena, man, uh, you, won't, you won't do this for me? That little scratch my bag, I scratch your bag, you, you won't do this for me? Or, or maybe, they would, maybe you had a friend that said, you know, hey, I thought, I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends, and you won't, you won't help me with this? I guess... I guess we're not as close as I thought we were. You, you know, you've heard these things, these little things, or, or, or maybe another friend or a person that you know, they're like, why won't, I hear this at church sometimes, people go, why won't you help me? Why won't you help me? I thought you said you're, I, aren't you a Christian? They use a Christian angle on you, and boy, that, that, that's tough. So, and, and, and sometimes they don't say anything at all. Some people just use the silent treatment. You ever had that happen to you where they're just using the silent, silent treatment to make you feel, to guilt you into doing what they want you to do. And so whether they use guilt or just plain old threats, some people will do anything to exert a little bit of control over you. 
And so the question, again, that we're trying to wrestle with is how do we break free on this 4th of July? How do we break free from the power of manipulation that's in our lives? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, there's a little story here that illustrates this. And in this story, I see three simple things that you and I can do when we are finding ourselves in a manipulative or controlling situation. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, recognize when someone is trying to control you. Now, some of you say, well, duh. No, duh. Of course, that's obvious. And, and I agree. But think about it. The reality is, is that many people don't realize that they're being manipulated. They're not even aware of it. it, it it's an interesting thing about this, that from, from the outside looking in, we look at a relationship uh, manipulation can be pretty obvious to us when we're on the outside looking in. But when you're on the inside looking out, sometimes you're not, you're not really able to see it. It's difficult to see that you're being kind of played a little bit. Uh, and I think sometimes it's that some people grew up in a home or they grew up in a situation where uh, manipulation was just normal behavior for that family. It's everybody was doing it to each other and so they have a high tolerance of this. And many people are just so used to being manipulated. They're used, when, they're, when they become a doormat, it doesn't feel different to them. That's just how they kind of grew up. That's how they, they, they don't recognize that that's a dysfunction, you know? And, uh, and, and sometimes manipulation can be so subtle. It can be very subtle that you're not even aware of it. We don't even know that it's kind of happening to us. Great example of this is in Matthew uh, 16. I bet you've never seen this before, um, but this will be cool. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is, is has kind of at this point in his ministry that he's decided to, to be vulnerable a little bit with his disciples. He's kind of pulled back the, the shirt and revealed the Superman under there, and he's telling them what's going to happen in his life. And he says, it says this, it says that Matthew says that Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer Many things. He's telling them what's going to happen. And he told them, he went a little bit further. He told them that he was going to be killed. He was going to be brutally killed. And then on the third day, uh, that he would be raised to life. Now, they, the disciples didn't really focus on that too much, that part of it, but they heard the other part. Look at this, what it says in verse 22. It says that Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. He said, never, Lord, never, this will never happen to you. This shall never happen to you if I have anything to say about it. Now, believe it or not, that is a mild form of control and manipulation. Now, although it's true, think about this, it's true. There are some people who love to uh, prey on weaker people and manipulate them for their own benefit. But in reality, most manipulation um, doesn't come from evil, wicked people. It actually comes from those that are closest to us. Um, and, and, and sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing. Uh, they may not be trying to hurt us. In fact, they probably love us deeply. But the simple truth is, is that somewhere along the line, uh, people in our lives, some people in our lives have learned to relate through manipulation. They have learned to get what they want through manipulation. And this was probably the case with Peter. You see it in other aspects of his life. But, but Peter loved Jesus. He, he loved him. And he didn't want to hurt him at all. In fact, that was the opposite. But it was clear. Get this. He didn't want Jesus to do what Jesus came to do. 
He didn't want Jesus to do what Jesus was called to do, what Jesus had to do, what Jesus knew he must do. Instead, Peter wanted him to do what Peter wanted him to do, right? Peter was trying to control the situation, and Jesus recognized it. He saw it for what it was. Um, uh, and, And the first sign that he saw is kind of obvious. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it says this in verse 22, that Peter took Jesus aside. Did you notice that? Kind of pulled him off to the side. You see, I think one of the things that controllers and manipulators like to do is to isolate. To isolate somebody. Why? Because it, it's easier to have more power and influence over someone when it's just you and them, when it's just one and one, one on one, right? And uh, it, it's hard to control a person when they're in a group with their friends or family. And this is why, as a pastor, I've seen this over and over, why most controlling husbands or wives are often opposed to going to counseling. They won't go to counseling because they're afraid that their gig will be up, that they're, they'll be exposed for kind of what they've been doing behind the scenes. I've seen that. Why I talk to couples and they're going through it. I'm like, I need to go counseling. He says he won't go. And I'm like, I, I know why. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Guess not. Uh, but that's one of the signs. There are several other signs that you might be in, uh, being manipulated. Um, the first one, if you're taking notes, is this, is that you might, have, if you might be manipulated if you're having a hard time saying no to a certain person. There may be a person in your life that you just have this hard time. I mean, you, you, in normal situations, you have no problem thinking and making decisions for yourself. But, but sometimes you and I, we meet somebody and for whatever reason, we lose a little bit of our ability to, to say what we really think in situations. And we defer. It's almost if, as if um, they have this power over us, right? Like, a, like a, they do these Met Jedi mind tricks, you know? Right? You, 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 you're like, I'm not sure if I can help you. And they're like, of course you can help me. You're like, well, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I can't loan you any money. And they're like, that's okay, you can bring it tomorrow. Like, what? <laughs> they just have this ability to kind of pull it out of us, and we can't say no. We find ourselves doing that. Another, another sign is that you may feel responsible for their problems. You may, be, you may feel responsible for his problems or her problems. And when their life is falling apart, Somehow you feel like it's your responsibility to fix it and to hold it together for them. And you start to feel this anxiousness about, man, I should do more, you know. Maybe if I gave them a little bit more money, they wouldn't be in this situation. Or maybe if I just loved them a little bit more, this wouldn't be happening to them. And you put it on yourself. It's your fault that they're in trouble. This is dangerous. Be careful. That's a sign. The third one is this, is that you might find yourself compromising your values to please them. You're compromising core values in your life and the way you live your life to make them happy. You find yourself doing things that you would never do just to make them happy. I I can't tell you. There's so many illustrations in my mind, but as a former youth pastor, I can't tell you how many young people I've talked to have told me that they wanted to keep um, they wanted to do new marriage God's way. They wanted to keep the marriage bed pure. They wanted to be a virgin when they got married. And, uh, and then one day they met a person and, uh, and things, the heat got kind of turned up a little bit. And all of a sudden, there was some pressure in that relationship to go to the next step, 
to go to that next step. And, and that, that person would tell them, oh, man, if you love me, then you, you'll let me. Or, or they'll get really crazy. They're like, you know what? If you don't do it, there's a hundred others that will. And pretty soon this person has compromised this value, this something that they wanted just to please this person. And so, again, um, there's a lot of signs there. To break the cycle of manipulation, the first thing that we need to do is we need to look for and recognize that someone might be trying to control us. The second one is this. This is the second thing we can do, and that is, is resist by being firm. Resist by being firm. I love this. This is brilliant. Um, when Jesus encountered manipulation, when Jesus encountered manipulators, and he had several times where people were coming in to try to do certain things, kind of come at them different angles. Jesus didn't mess around with these people. He was firm and direct, man. Uh, for example, the story I'm talking about here, verse 22, it says that Peter said, never, Lord, never. This shall never happen to you. Did you, did you see how Jesus responded? Look at this, verse 23. It says that Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Wow. In other words, hey, you devil, shut up. You are talking from the pit of hell right now, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but just the things of man. The point I'm trying to make is that Jesus confronted this thing head on. And I think you and I could learn that it's okay for you and I to set and hold boundaries with certain people. To hold those boundaries. To say, hey, listen, this ain't going to work on me this time. You've done this before. In the past, you've been able to kind of direct me and work me a little bit. But from this point on, you ain't going to work me anymore. And to say it out loud and say, no, 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 no more. I mean, this is huge. I mean, you need to see Jesus' uh, stance on this. Uh, think about this. Jesus was normally a nice and kind guy, right? He was generally a nice and kind dude. But this was one of his harshest rebukes in all of the scriptures. He went right to it. No, Satan. I'm not going to deal with that. And you have to wonder, why would Jesus push back so hard on this? I think one of the reasons is, is that manipulation is a slight form of idolatry. It leads to idolatry, which is one of the Ten Commandments that we're not to do. Remember? Think about this. Anything that controls your life besides God is idolatry. It's a sin. It's wrong. And it has consequences. And so when you and I allow someone to control us, when you and I allow someone to cause us to follow their will rather than God's will, that's a big problem. That's going to lead to some heavy stuff in our life. And that's why Jesus didn't entertain this for not even a single second. He didn't even pause. He kicked back hard and fast when he saw it. And so I want to, again, remind you, recognize it when you, you know, look for it. When you see it, recognize it. And number two, resist it when you see it. Don't patty cake it. Deal with it quickly and, and harshly. Say, no, not going to play that. Your kid starts to work the angle, uh-uh. No, no, no. Not only are you not getting the candy here in the grocery store, but you ain't getting candy for the next month. I don't care if you flop on the floor like a fish. It ain't going to happen. Some of you are like, wow, Troy, you're fired up. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. Just following Jesus here on this. 
So recognize it. Number three, resist it. I mean, number two, resist it. Number three, redefine the relationship. Set some new boundaries for that relationship. Um, as I said before, that sometimes our lives and our relationships are often defined by the dif- dysfunction that we grew up with. And you and I, when things get scary or things get difficult, most of us tend to default back into those negative behaviors that we picked up in our home or growing up or along the way. And if you're stuck right now in a cycle of manipulation and control, you're either in it or you're giving it, you know what? You need to think about introducing a new way of doing things. You need to think about putting a new spin (laughs) uh, into your relationship. I got a goofy illustration. I'll give it to you anyway. Um, how many of you would admit that you like ballroom dancing? Raise your hand. Some of you are afraid to raise your hand because you think I'm going to make fun of you. I'm not. I like ballroom dancing, man. I think it's pretty awesome. I can't do it, but I'm impressed by the people that can. And uh, years ago, back in 2005, before Julie and I moved here, uh, we were in California, um, that showed, uh, what is it called, Dancing with the Stars came out. And it kind of became a big thing. And somebody at our church was into it. And so they offered lessons, free lessons for doing ballroom dancing. So Julie thought it was a good idea. (laughs) I went along with it. I thought it wasn't a bad idea. I'm a bad dancer. Actually, I'm a good dancer. I'm kind of a break dancer. I can pop. I can do some stuff. I'm a a freestyle. But when you kind of have like patterns, I'm not really good at that. The whole counting thing is not good. But anyway, so we went. And and we took a few lessons. It was great. Uh, The problem is, is we just didn't learn much. And what we did learn, we kind of forgot pretty quickly when we moved up here. And uh, a few years ago, a couple years ago, we were at a wedding, and they had some dancing thing going on. And and so I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me. We're like, you want to try? And so we kind of went over to uh, kind of the side. We didn't want to get in the middle. We were like, test this out, you know. And uh, we realized that we only could remember one, one move, one dance. And the move was this. It's a move. It's not even a dance. It's what to do when you get stuck in a corner. You know this in ballroom dancing as you're going around the floor, if you get kind of caught in a corner, there's a way to get out of that. You have, there's a move. And for whatever reason, that was the only thing I remembered, man. And so we did this all night long. We did the, okay, I think, here, let me show you. Are you ready? Okay, it's like, dun, 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 and then move it out. Oh, I forgot that step was there. The, <laughs> as you can see, uh, anyway, I'm not going to show that to you again because that was dangerous. But there's a little move that we did, and so Julie and I basically danced in the corner all night long, because <laughs> that's all we could do. We were stuck in a corner. Some of you are in the same situation in your life right now. You are doing the same thing. You've been doing the same dysfunctional dance together for so long with this person. Why? Because that's all you know. It's all you know is that one little, that thing, and you do it. And anytime the music hits, you guys do the same thing, and it ends up in the same place. And it's always the same. One of you is trying to control everything, and the other one is just kind of giving in and giving up. And it's a vicious cycle. But if you want a different result in your relationship, you got to learn a new move. you got to learn a, a new way of doing things. And, and, yeah, sometimes it's hard at first. You know, you're going to step on toes a little bit. You're going to mess up, all that. But the only way to break some of those old dysfunctions in your life is to learn a new step, to redefine the relationship. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus did after 
he confronted Peter's controlling spirit. This is brilliant. I don't know if you've ever saw this in context. This verse I'm about to read you, verse 24. You've read this, but I've never, I bet you've never saw it in connection to what we just went through. In verse 24, Jesus drew a new line in the sand with his disciples. And this was a warning to Peter, and this was a warning to anyone who struggles with control. He said this, Then Jesus said to his disciples in verse 24, If anyone is going to come after me, he must deny himself. Remember, he's talking to Peter. You won't get to do this. You ain't going to do this. We're not going to do it your way, God. He said, no, no, no. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Take up your cross, and then you follow me. And look what he says here. He says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, they will find it. In other words, let me re- reconnoiter that a little bit. Whoever tries to control things will ultimately lose control. But whoever is willing to give up control to God, they're going to find what they're looking for. Have you discovered that truth in your own life? That the more you hold on and try to make things happen, the less good things happen to you. But when you let go, sometimes incredible things, God can show up and do amazing things. And so at the end of the day, I just want to say this, that manipulation is about and stems from our desire, each one of our desires to control. And I would suggest to you that often our desire to control, that urge to control, often comes from a fear. It comes from our fear that God isn't going to take care of us. We want to control because we think it's up to me. If it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm on my own. I don't have a God. If only there was a God in the universe that loved me and could move mountains for me and could help me and cared about me, I I might not have to do this myself. But our desire to control comes from that fear that God isn't going to take care of us. And whenever we want things to go a certain way and they don't start to go that way, we become afraid and what do we do? We look for ways to make it happen ourselves. We manipulate and we begin to control. And Jesus said that that is all a big waste of time and energy. That all of our striving and all of our conniving and conoitering will never negate the fact that God is still on the throne. That God is still in control of everything. Right? And that God ultimately is going to do what God's going to do. And here's the good news. More than that, God's going to do what's best for you. He's a good father. He's going to do what's best for you. And so if that's true, you and I should just relax a little bit in some of these situations and let go and let Jesus take the wheel. Amen? Amen. And so I want to end with a prayer here. And I want to pray uh, for two groups of people. In fact, could I just ask you to bow your heads and your hearts? I want us to all do a little business with God right here. Between you and God. Not, not your neighbor, not the person sitting next to you. Just between, don't be sitting there thinking, okay, I hope this is for, I hope Pastor Troy gets them finally. No, 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 I want you to think about yourself. I want to pray for two groups. The first one, I want to ask you a question. How many of you would admit that you might be allowing someone to control you a little bit right now? You're allowed someone to manipulate you. Maybe you found yourself constantly going on a guilt trip or you're having a hard time saying no to somebody or maybe you've just been doing some things that you know ain't you and you're just doing it to keep them happy. Again, they may not be mean or malicious or evil. It's just their way. It's what they do. But now you've gotten caught up in what they do.
and you don't like it, and you'd like to get out of it, if that's you, between you and me and God, I just want to see, I want to give God an opportunity to help you. If you're in that place with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand and say, hey, I could use some help there. Okay, I see some hands. Okay, amen, amen. God sees you. Thank you. I want you to hold that in your heart. The second person I want to talk to is the people that might be a little like me, though, where you've got a little bit of a control freak in you. You, you, you. Your default is to jump in, take care of biz. And you realize that sometimes you have been driven by your fears instead of faith. And so you push people sometimes, and you sometimes bully people because you're so driven to see what you want done. And you know it's not good, and you know it needs to change. Perhaps a good prayer for you today would be to reaffirm your trust in God, to put your trust in God that he will make things work out for you in the end, to trust that. If you were one of those folks, you're like me in that area, would you just raise your hand as a signal to God that you get it? Yeah, 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 thank you. I want to pray for both of those folks. Father, I just, uh, I lift it up to you. We, we surrender. You, you said it very clearly. Um, if any one of us wants to follow you, we must deny ourselves, and we need to be willing to crucify, to take up that cross, to, to put to death some of those natural urges to, to take care of business, to jump in and control. And so, God, I pray, first of all, you'd help those who are kind of a little, little on that side of it, that you would help us to surrender, and that we would choose to follow you, that we would re- lay down our life so that you would bring us life. That's what your offer is. It doesn't make sense to us that we would let go of control and that you would take control and that you would ultimately take us kind of where we want to go or where we were destined to go. That's hard for us, but Lord, help us to put our trust in you, to trust that you're a good God and that you've got good things for us and that you will take care of us. And Lord, secondly, I pray for those that are feeling like right now that they're under maybe the spell or the power of somebody. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and that you would fill them with a conviction and a supernatural power and boldness to stand up to this, to not get angry, but to call, call, call it what it is and to, know, and to recognize when it's happening and to put a stop to it and say, hey, I'm sorry, I love you, but I ain't going to play that. Homie, don't play that no more. I'm not going to fall for that anymore. You can, you can make your threats. You can drop your guilt, but I ain't going to do that. I love you. I love you, but I'm not doing that. It's not going to work. God, I pray that you would help them get out from under that. That's just got to be a horrible place to be. Set them free from that. Give them the power to, to, to step out from under that and to take back um, what you have given them and that they would follow you and not someone else's will for their life, Lord. I lift this up and I thank you for revealing this to us through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.